So, Heather, today's episode, I'm kind of sad. Oh, don't be sad. Well, we get to talk about Harry Potter, so I'm kind of happy. But us talking about Harry Potter can only mean one thing. That's right. Mother effing listeners, we regret to inform you that today will be our last episode. It's been a good run. I'm crying. What else is new? <laughs> if you're wondering why, it's because Patty and I hate each other's guts. She's not fun. No. Nope. Not fun at all. No. Heather is annoying. We can't take it anymore. We're over it. <laughs> okay, we're not good at lying. Like, it started no. off really good. We're just joking. April Fool's. We can still talk about how terrible Harry Potter is. No, we're not talking <laughs> about that. That I, that discussion is shelved into our last episode. No. April Fool's. We're not stopping. You're going to have us for years and years. And you're going to be like, two old ladies, stop talking. <laughs> no like, one's listening. You've already gone past the foster adopt phase. Like, yeah, but did I tell you what my kid did this week with my granddaughter? And menopause. It sucks. <laughs> uh, so were you a prankster or a jokester growing up? I've always been goofy. Mm-hmm. Prankster probably isn't like the word I would use, but we did play jokes on each other. And gotcha. my dad was like the best. Like whenever we did puzzles, he would always hide the last piece. And yeah. then we'd all like be searching for it for like four minutes. And then he'd be <laughs> like, here it is. So I do little things like that here yeah. and there. Um, but like true prankster. Well, we used to ran up a couple cars. That's mm-hmm. my, that's my, probably my go-to. Gotcha. Toilet paper, some houses. Yeah. But how about you? Are you a prankster? Oh, yeah. I was notorious for pulling pranks and getting into trouble for them. Are you one who, like, does elaborate huge pranks or, like, always as quick? I've been part of the elaborate pranks, usually planning them with friends. Um, quick sometimes, that too. It kind of all started back in Girl Scouts when I had a troop leader I loved and adored, but also who drove me nuts. So uh, with another couple girls, we made a plan on how to steal her bra out of her duffel bag at night. What? And we ran up the flagpole at Girl Scout camp. I'm way too scared of authority. Oh, I would never do that. We did it. It was great. We like did stomach crawls across the floor. We had to look out in the bathroom. I was the one who like undid the flagpole and brought it down and wound it back up. It was great. It was amazing. Wow. You actually got it. What did she say? Oh, yeah. She was, I mean, she had, was good natured about it. She laughed about it and she got revenge on one of the other girls at another camp running her, you know, brought the flagpole. So we didn't really get in trouble. See, those kind of things, like when it's all done and Mm -hmm. fun and like it doesn't hurt anybody. No. Feelings don't get hurt. But in this day and age, I feel like everyone's so soft that, like, I would actually be pretty scared to prank anybody. Yeah. Like, I don't think that punked could happen anymore. No, probably not. Probably people get sued. Yeah. Like, but where did that funness go? Yeah. So we do kind of joke around with the kids quite a bit. Like, for April Fool's Day one year, I dyed the milk blue. <laughs> and that was fun. Then we drink blue milk for, like, a week. Do you do things with the kids? Um, I have not done so much yet because they're terrible at April Fool's Day. They're terrible at their idea. And I kind of want to have a good prank, like um, make it elaborate, but I don't know how I'm going to do it. Do you have an idea? What? No, not this year. I haven't had an idea that's been good. I mean, it's that's tough. Is that what's a good joke? Because I like the long game joke. I don't like the, the prank that's only going to last a little bit. And Bobby's really good at pranks, too. So when the first iPad came out, I really wanted it, but I felt it was expensive, so I didn't want to ask it for it from Bobby. Um, So one day at work, my friend came, and he sat across from me, and he goes, Heather, can you open this box of cereal for me? I was like, no. 
<laughs> he's like, come on, open it. I'm really hungry. I'm like, open it yourself. He's like, open Can you just open it for me? And I'm like, God. So I open the top. He's like, pull out the bag. And I'm like, what's your fucking problem, dude? <laughs> I'm working. And he's like, just pull out the bag and pour me some cereal. And I, as I'm pulling out the bag, I'm like, this what you want? There's an iPad inside underneath all the cereal. <gasps> and I was like, oh my God, did I win an iPad? Like I looked at the box <laughs> to see if it was like some boxes have iPads. And he's like, what? And I'm like, how is this iPad in here? How did I pack in the cereal? I don't understand. And then it was revealed Bobby, who was working somewhere else at the time, had called my friend out to the car and given him the box and said, like, surprise her with it. And he had, like, taken a box of cereal and emptied out half and, like, put the thing in and, like, resealed, re-glued it all. And I was like, that's the coolest the, prank uh, ever. We do those. Yeah. You call that a prank. I call, yeah, surprises like that. Practical joke or something. But, yeah. but it's still a joke because he, he, and even though Bobby wasn't there. Just knowing the reaction, like how surprised I was. He's like, you thought you won an iPad in a Cheerio box. And I'm like, <laughs> I could not figure out how it got in there. That is awesome. Like, we'll do that with the girls. We'll pick them up early mm-hmm. and we'll just start driving. Yeah. Or, you know, what? they're like, wait, we're not on the way to school. Where are we going? And we're like, oh, we had to make a stop. And then we go to Disneyland. Oh, that's fine. So, like, my dad used to do that, too. Yeah. We do, like, fun. random things like that. Like wait, uh, surprises, yeah. and when we're notorious in this family to scaring each other. Oh yeah. So I'll like sneak up ninja style while while Lexi's eating, and mm-hmm. I'll just get really close to her face, and then she like turns, just like ah, and I'm like ah. <laughs> so we do that quite a bit. Like, yeah, we do the little scaring. I'm I'm really good at other. getting scared, and Bobby likes to scare me a lot. And one day I managed to sneak up and scare him, and he had the most hilarious reaction. He just turned to me and went why in this weird high-pitched voice i actually think what i know he doesn't wear rubber shirts yeah but in my head i have him in rubber shirts whenever i picture him now so i'm like i can just see him say that is that sounds like something he would do it was so funny that's just really funny yeah i loved it and chris is really hard to get the girls and i made one really good for chris and then i thought oh crap he's gonna handle this really wrong and it's not gonna be good so we made if you dye like elmer's glue like with like mix it with mm-hmm. brown paint right and you put it in a coffee mug and then you let it like you spill it like, like you spilled coffee oh yes yeah, so it looks like coffee. and then it, then you just let it dry and then you can put it somewhere and it looks like someone spilled coffee yeah and so we did that and put it on the coffee thing and then i was like he's gonna flip out and then <laughs> he's not gonna handle it connectedly at all and so then <laughs> yeah i went over there and was like look it's a prank handle it well just pretend and he yeah. was like who spilled the coffee so he kind of like yeah knew so then he wouldn't really be mad we use that one for quite a bit. And I just, recently, I just actually just recently threw that one away. Oh. Yeah, I like, I just, anything that brings yeah. laughter, you know, that's part of being a comedian. Like, yeah. <laughs> anything to get a laugh, you know, yeah, and bring some joy and smiles. So, guys, be safe, have fun, and totally play a prank on someone and let us know yes. what you did. Hey, Bobby, are they gone? Yeah. Yeah. They're not here. Okay. Cool. So we can finally start talking shit about them the way they do about us? Yes. Nice. I've been waiting a long time for I this. know, right? Like, I'm, I've been looking forward to this. Every time I listen to the podcast, I'm like, hey, this is kind of cool. Why, I was like, why is she saying that about me? Why is she telling right. the world all my secrets? It's kind of weird having spouses who do a podcast together every week because it's like all your dirty laundry being broadcast <laughs> to the whole internet. <laughs> yes. All right. I'm going to lock the door and we're going to do this thing. Excellent. Let's do it. You're listening to the Mother Effin Podcast with Patty Crouch and Heather Dragulescu. All right, everybody. Welcome to a very special 
April Fool's Day edition. Super special. Of the Mother Effin' Podcast, which we are now dubbing... The Mother Effin' Fathers. That's right. And we are the fathers. I am Bobby Dragulescu. I am Heather's husband. I am Chris Crouch. I am Patty's husband. And we're going to talk to you today about all the stuff that you're used to hearing Heather and Patty talk about every week. But from our perspective. Yeah, because it's a little bit different. All right, I got to ask you real quick, though, man. Um, So Heather wakes up one day, and she just looks at you, and she says, I want to do comedy. Exactly. That is exactly how it happened. Because I listened to the podcast, so I've heard her stories. (laughs) Yeah. So I didn't really take that very seriously when she said it. I tend to not take all of her big ideas that seriously, to be (laughs) honest with you, because there's a lot of them, and they come at you fast. And they don't always come to fruition. In fact, very few of them do. So when Heather turned over and said, you know, I think I want to give stand-up comedy a shot, I think she had already heard that Flappers was teaching some classes and it was something she wanted to do. And I knew that she was on kind of like this uh, self-help kick. So I was like, yeah, go for it. Do your thing. Because, you know, you get to a point in your life where you're like, what am I doing? I'm not happy at my job. I'm not happy with my life. I want to change things up. And I believe in, in... the power of therapy, but I also believe in the power of like finding new hobbies and doing things that you're into because when you're having fun, you are just living your life in a different way. So I said, go for it. Take these stand-up comedy classes. Do your thing. I never for a second thought <laughs> that it would take. I never for one second thought that my wife would become an actual stand-up comedian or be any good at it. So you I basically mean, said you had no faith in your wife? Is that what you're... <laughs> I, I, just, I just didn't think this was her bag. Right. I know that she's great at, at telling stories. I know that she's great at talking. I know that she can get people to hang off her every word. But I didn't know that she was good at telling jokes gotcha. or writing jokes yeah. or getting up in front of an audience with a microphone. That's not something that she'd really ever done before. I, I was like, okay, do your class, have fun, you know, go through it and get up there and do your little stand-up showcase <laughs> to, the, to your family and your friends and then we'll be done. Yeah. And you'll be happier. Yep. That was kind of my approach. Yeah. So what about you? How did Patty um, get into it? it? She's it's something she talked about for a long time. We uh, our, our family lives back in San Antonio, and so it's that's a that's about a twenty three hour drive, and we we've been driving back and forth for God, sixteen years now, something like that. And we just mm-hmm. do it straight. And so this is every now and then that's this is something that kind of like she you know she she's always made the joke about you know it's you know she goes say it's on my bucket list to to to, you know, do like a, a, an open mic or something. I was like, all right, cool, you know. And so there have been times when, I remember it was a couple of years ago even, um, as we're driving back, we kind of made like a, we kind of made a pact that, okay, you know what, we're going to go and the two of us will just go and we'll do a, uh, uh, we'll do an open mic. And of course, you know, we're competitive with each other. So it's like, okay, we'll, we'll go do an open mic and whoever gets the most laugh wins, you know, most laughs wins. Right. Okay, yeah. And just playing around with that. And, but again, same kind of thing. It's like, you've been talking about this for years, whatever. Couple years ago, I guess about two years ago now, when Jackson was about to have his heart surgery, he was that was going to be in December, and right around September, Patty Patty calls me up and she goes, "Hey, Flappers is doing a a, a comedy class." She goes, "I want to take it." And she goes, "I need to do something before everything goes crazy." And I was like, "You know what? That's cool. Do it." And you know, she told me how much it was, told me how long it was. You know, six weeks, um, three hours of class, and then. I was like, okay, yeah, that's cool because you know therapy was like a hundred bucks an hour, right? <laughs> and so when I, I was like, well, this is a whole lot cheaper than therapy. Yeah, go do it, you know. And so she started doing it, and and it was the same kind of thing. I was like, okay, she'll do her showcase, and then that'll that'll kind of be it. And after about like the third or fourth class, she comes back and she goes, I think I'm actually good at this. I was like, really? And she's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, just just put this stuff together and. 
and you know we've got so much stuff and and uh, just our life you know we've got so much material just from our life and so as she started talking about it and everything she was like yeah, I, I think I'm actually good at this and, and one of the things that I noticed just while she was doing the class like not even not even before I mean, even before she did the showcase or anything like that just doing the class like she was coming back and just like a better mood and it was carried over for like the whole week yeah. and then the next class is like you know kind of that recharge at one point she was like you know i feel really bad about this because I'm, I'm away from the family and i was like yeah but when you're you know you're away from the family for those three hours but when you're with the family like you're it's like you're a better you yeah and that's when just you know yeah, okay we make the joke about therapy but holy crap like it really is like she's just you know if even now we're at the point where if she's not getting out there at least you know once a week or whatever it's off. Right. You know, right. it's like if I don't get to work out for a week or whatever, she's like, Chris, you got to go hit something. I'm yeah. like, okay, cool. You know, <laughs> um, but if, with, with her, I'm, I'm like, no, you, you know, go, go out, go do something. Hey, it's Wednesday night. I've got the kids. I don't have to work, you know, go, go out and go do something. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it, uh, it really it's, is like therapy. I mean, like sitting down and talking to a therapist is one thing, but like you get a certain amount of endorphins from being up in front of a crowd, even if it's like a small crowd or you're doing an open mic or whatever, with a microphone and having people listen to you and respond positively. And the cool thing about flappers, by the way, this is all turning into like a giant advertisement for flappers know, comedy right? classes. <laughs> it's cheaper than therapy. Yeah. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, the the thing that's really cool about flappers as opposed to like say, you know, all of the clubs you might find on Sunset Boulevard or whatever is it's a really 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 supportive community and yeah. when you're starting out, you know, you get a lot of really great response and it makes you feel good and it encourages you to keep going with it. Comedy can be brutal in certain markets. I mean, like in New York and stuff, I would never even think about going out there and trying it with, or, or Heather trying it. I, I talk I talk kind of kind of through Heather sometimes because <laughs> we do kind of work out material together. Well, I mean, I wrote all of, I've, I've written all of Patty's best jokes. She'll, she'll tell you. That. I didn't want to say it. You know, I didn't want to say it. Honest, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah, you know, I, I, I have written a few doozies. I still get laughs. But Heather tells them so well. And I yeah. give her all the credit. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, it's it's definitely been something cool. Just just watching her, um, like just watching her get out there, and put herself out there, and then you know, it's I, I remember at her showcase, some of our friends, uh, some of our friends from our old church who who had gone through everything with us as far as like mm -hmm. just the whole infertility thing, um, the uh, the fostering process, the adoption process, like I mean, just stuff that that all of us were just constantly in tears about, you right. know, all that kind of stuff. A bunch of them were at her showcase, and afterwards, uh, some of her like closest friends came over to her, and they're like, "This was amazing." They're like, "Like everything that you were saying, we know all of those stories, but in the past, yeah. we've always been crying about all the stories, and this time, we're actually going to laugh about it." And like, it was crazy because it was like, it was literally, it was, it was like therapeutic for our friends, also. Yeah, just getting to see that, see that, um, that, that, that flip. Yeah, where it's, yeah, we've been crying about it for so long, but now here we are, and they're like, it was just really cool. Just getting to do that now. She's just running with it, and again, just all the all the crazy stuff that we're going through with the kids, and I mean, just life in general. So now it's it's like, okay, yeah, we can't cry about it, and we will, and we'll get upset about it and everything. But man, this is gonna be some good material. So. Right. We had a similar experience too. I mean, between the two of us, we would always be talking shit about like the adoption process and our kids in general, because that's what <laughs> parents do, right? Behind closed doors, every time we would go and like get caught up on our on our whatever it is, like our foster parent hours with a new seminar yes. or whatever, or we'd have to go to this or go to that or like some community event, it would be all this feel good stuff about foster adopt, which is great because you want to inspire people to do it, right? But there's a little bit of like this disingenuine thing going on where you're not really talking about the full spectrum of emotions yes. you're going to go through. 
And we'd always have to put on these smiling faces and be like, yeah, no, we're so blessed. It's great. Everything's <laughs> wonderful. They're just the best kids. We got so lucky. Da 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 da. And all of that stuff, of course, is true, but like your life is three dimensional. Yes. You know, it's not just one thing. It's also nice to have a forum where Heather can just get up and talk about all the other stuff and it's okay. Like socially, it's okay. Yeah. You're not going to get, you know, you, no one's going to look at you funny for saying it. I mean, people still do, but right. that's the that's the place <laughs> to do it. And and again, like we we talk about this stuff between the two of us. So I feel like I'm I'm helping her come up with the material and I'm kind of like living her career through her in a way just by by being half of, you know, the parental unit. Right. So it helps me. I I have I don't have stage fright per se. But I feel like I'm better at coming up with the material and crafting it and honing it than getting up and, and performing. So I've always been very comfortable, you know, behind the curtain, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. No, I. But I, you, uh, you actually went out and I, did. I did. I did. It was she. She shanghaied me into Patty shanghaied me into doing her, uh, um, uh, her foster funny. Uh, show. Yeah, you were hilarious. And I that, was there. That was different. That 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 was definitely different being up there, you know. And I mean, I'm 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 used to being in front of the room just from 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 teaching, um, you know, doing seminars and stuff like that, just teaching right. crops. So I'm used to being up there. Usually, if people don't laugh at my jokes, I can punch them in the face, and it's socially acceptable <laughs> because it's a crop class. But uh, so that was a little bit different. But it was it was fun because a lot of my a whole lot of my crop students showed up, and I think that's why Patty wanted me up there just because she knew that I would bring a bunch of people because all right. my, all my students would want to come watch and. You know, we had a, it was it was a lot of fun. It was definitely different. I don't really remember any of it. Like, I mean, I, I remember the material. <laughs> it's but like, all a blur. It's all a blur. Just getting right. up there, and I mean, it's it's definitely different with me. You know, like being in front of a class or teaching a technique or this or that, and I'm walking back and forth, and I'm super active versus me standing there with a uh, you know with a microphone and not being able to you know see the audience that well because the right. lights are shining on me i'm like this is just different you yeah know? that's how it was for heather at first too like she would come off of a set and be like how did i do i was like you killed look people were laughing she said, really i didn't hear anybody laughing yeah. i was like yeah. really you didn't hear anybody <laughs> laughing and i'd play like the tape back and she's finally like a year into it now she's getting to the point where she can be more in the moment on the stage mm -hmm. and and really hear the audience and see them and and respond back and i think that's the kind of stuff that you can't shortcut like that just takes experience and doing it over and over and over and uh like she told the jokes well the first time she got up on stage but she was like in her own head yes you know yeah it, yeah. it just takes time but that's the sort of thing like I don't I'm not really interested in. I mean, maybe one day. Maybe yeah, we'll see. Well, and for, you know, for me, because you know, afterwards, Patty was like, "Well, so so how'd you like it? You want to do it again?" I'm like, "No, I checked that box. I'm done." Yeah, I'm like that. Yeah, that I was like, exactly. "Babe, this is your thing. I will support you. I'll still continue to write all your best jokes." Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, "No, this is this this is your thing, you know, yeah. and 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 have fun with if it." If I could, if I can, if I can tweak a joke for Heather or like tell her to look a certain way when she says a certain word or like whatever an inflection in her voice. And she does it up on stage, and it gets a laugh. I feel every bit of the satisfaction oh, yeah. that I would being up there doing it myself. Yeah, like yeah, I don't need, I don't need it. I, j I can just do it through Heather. Yeah. So. No, that that totally makes sense. That's cool. I'm That's living cool. vicariously. I know, right? Hey, good for you. Good for you. That's cool. <laughs> Yeah. So, so fostering, man, because yeah. you know that's that's uh that's the other thing that, that that this whole podcast is about, and something that you and I have in common. You know, obviously different different things, but like I I I or different ways, I should say. I but I like some of the questions that the girls usually ask when they're talking to like guests or this or that. You know, and and I know that one of the questions that they always make sure to ask is, you know, you know, what's one thing that you wish you knew? 
Oh man. You know, with that that's the, you, with something you wish you know somebody had told you. It's sort of a, a trick question or a double-edged sword because <laughs> if I had known this, I might not have done it. Yes. It, it, yeah. Fostering. All right, look, this is not a great promotion for fostering. You should do. Fo you should foster kids. <laughs> They're in great need. Go out and foster some kids and then adopt them. Okay, I've said it. Now, let me tell you, the whole process is kind of deliberately obfuscated. I think. <laughs> In a way to make people like not exactly know what they're getting into because what they're getting into is a lot. Yeah. So the one thing I wish I had known, but if I had known, I might not have done it, is how organic the whole process is and driven by human beings sitting behind desks, namely the social workers and all and you know, all the agents and stuff involved, and how little of it has to do with like a database on a computer. All right, I'm a tech guy. Like I'm I'm a I'm a creative director, I'm a I'm a designer. I spend my day behind a computer, you know. So, I'm used to like going onto a website and ordering something and then it just shows up at my door. <laughs> so, I thought my impression of the whole fostering system and subsequently the adoption process was there's a database. It has everybody in the country <laughs> and everything's like laid out like eye color, hair color, weight, you know, disabilities. Uh Dude, That's like getting a car. Yeah, yeah okay. it, it so, would be like so, buying so, a car. Okay, good. So like CarMax for kids. Yes, right, because okay, and, and I was led to believe this by <laughs> when you first get into it, you fill out a form and you're like, okay, well, what age range do you want? What quantity of children do you it want? Really what disabilities are you willing to accept and what aren't you? What race do you want? Yeah. The only thing that we 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 kind of knew, like, all right, this can't be a hundred percent, right? Because they're going to have to match people with the parents. But what, the only thing that we checked off were like certain disabilities and things that we just didn't feel like we were equipped to handle. I said two kids, no older than two years old. <laughs> and in, in my head, like I was like, oh, if I get them at two years old, they won't remember any of the stuff that yes, happened to them. And they'll yeah. be like my own kids when they grow up. You know, I didn't know anything. Yeah. So I was like two years or older, no more than two because we don't have the space, blah, 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 blah. Any race, like that didn't really matter. But everything else, I was like, okay, here's how I want it. And what we got was totally different. We got three kids that were much older than what we wanted. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, knock on thank God, they did not have any physical disabilities. They're healthy kids. But they had a lot of, of emotional yeah. issues and a lot of abuse in their life that, frankly, we put on the list on the no, do not want list. Yeah. And I think Heather's talked about this before on the podcast. But, like, the the fact of the matter is, those are merely suggestions, and yeah. your form goes into a pile on somebody's desk, on some social worker's desk who's underpaid and overworked, and all they're trying to do is match kids with parents. Yep. And it is very organic, meaning one social worker may have one opinion about how to do it, and another one may have another opinion yes. on how to do it. There's no system. There's a system, but yeah. there's no, like, procedure. There's no structure. There's no structure. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. And what it came down to is we found... Or I should say Heather found these three kids literally on a website, like just how they do yeah. on Instant Family. Like you wanted to do it. You know, you're, you're a database guy. You I'm a database guy. But Heather <laughs> Heather would be like going on the adoption websites. And, and these the, the kids on the websites typically are the ones that are about to age out oh. or they're in a huge sibling set um, that they want to keep together. Yeah. So this is kind of like a last ditch oh, attempt, yeah. right? They're going to put them on the website and anybody can see it. So she saw these three kids and she was like, I want these three kids. So we expressed interest. And it was like this whole thing. We went to, um, first of all, there are these events that are like speed dating oh, uh, where you just show up at like a Chuck E. Cheese or something and there's just a whole bunch of kids 
and you're supposed to interact with all of them and it's like you get two minutes with these kids and two minutes with these kids and then like you you fill out again you fill out a form like i am interested in the oh my blue honda civic with the uh, safety air you know whatever and we kind of cornered one of the social workers who happened to be there that we knew were was responsible for these kids and he was like oh i'm so sorry they've already been placed and I think I'm repeating a story Heather's already told, but I'll tell it from my perspective. Heather's yeah. heart just like sank. And I was like, and and in my head, that was like very secretly in my head. I was like, oh, they've been placed. Well, I guess this is over. Oh, we yeah. can go back to living our normal lives now. Yeah. We tried. Yeah. It's just too much work. It's It's not going to happen for us. And he didn't know that they had actually been placed with us in some other database. Oh, like funny. he didn't know who we were. Right. And so he told us they'd been placed, and then like a couple days later, we found out it was with us. Okay. And then we started like we started dating. They yes. would come over for the weekend and go into the parks, <laughs> and like we take them to to Chuck E. Cheese. Actually, our first meal was at Sizzler, and it was hilarious. All right. They ate so much food. This was before we had any restrictions. We were just like, eat as much as you want. It's a buffet. Go crazy. Yeah. And like the other people in the Sizzler like knew what was up because like these are like three Mexican kids with two like white parents or right. one white parent and one half Asian half white parent. They were yeah. like. Oh, good for you. We're so happy. Oh, like, they knew what was going yes. on, right? And uh, so that was our first meal. But anyway, that was our experience with it. So to get my long-winded answer, to get back to your question, <laughs> the one thing I wish I had known is how disorganized and crazy and chaotic and organic the whole process is and how much it leans on social workers doing their work and using their own judgment. Right. But if I had known that, I might not have done it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I... I... I get it. You know, I, I it's I, I think about that all the time just as far as like, you know, it, again, because I support my wife. I support your wife. I do listen to the podcast usually on Mondays when it first <laughs> comes out. Just help the numbers. But um, I, I, I always think about the question, just that, that idea of, you know, what would, you know, what's that one thing you wish you would have known? And um, I think that, I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. You know, I mean, we, we obviously went along it, you know, in much different way, like yeah. the, you know, we got the girls on September 1st of 2011. They were detained on uh, August 31st. So, like, they, they were they were detained the night of August 31st. The next day, they were at our house. Mm. What's crazy is we got certified on August 30th. Wow. Just being the competitive people that we are when, when, we, uh, when we're getting certified. Uh, the social worker was over. The, uh, you know, the social worker was over and, and, you know, telling us everything we need to do and this and that. And... And uh, she goes, yeah, normally the process takes about six months. And Patty and I look at each other and we're like, we look at the social worker, Marisa, and uh, we're like, so um, what's the fastest it's ever been done? And she's like, three months. And Patty and I look at her, look at each other and we're like, yeah, let's do it. And so uh, High we, score. Oh, yeah. So we were like powering through. I think we ended up getting certified in like three and a half months or something like that. Like we just did everything we had to do super quick. And we didn't have any kids. We could. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> oh, the good old days. Yeah, exactly. We could actually get shit done. But uh, so we, we just powered through it. And got certified on August 30th, September 1st. We got a phone call, and mm -hmm. I, I'll, I'll never forget. I was at work, and uh, um, I get this phone call from Marisa, and she was like, "Hey, so I've got a, I've got you know two things to run by you. One, we have a, we, we have a little girl. Um, I forget how I forget how old she was, but little African American girl. Um, she's already been TPR'd, so she's she's ready to be adopted, mm -hmm. or." We have uh, we have two nine month old African American twin twin girls, and Patty and I what the on our uh, um, on our wish list for for fostering and everything we was kind of the same way where it's like okay we don't care what race yeah. um, we don't care what gender we, you know we 
but we did say we don't want a sibling set with the caveat of unless it's twins. Oh. And so, because Patty has always wanted twins. Okay. Always wanted twins. And even to the point where, like, when we were doing infertility treatment, we were like, hey, yo, that, that kind of bumps up the odds of twins. And so <laughs> right. she was like, all right, yo, this this will be cool. I'm like, if we get triplets, we're done. But so, obviously, the infertility stuff didn't take. And then we get this call saying that, hey, you know, twins. I'm like, holy crap, we're going to get our twins. But we had the we had the, the the nursery set up for one. We had it set up for a singleton. You know, we're like, yeah, let's do it. And it's it's funny. We we actually have the envelope where I was writing all these notes down. We jokingly call that our ultrasound, mm-hmm. um, because that's what we had. Like, I just I grabbed a scratch piece of paper. It was an old envelope that was already opened up, and I just started writing everything. And we can actually keep that in our safe. And so it like it has my notes from that first phone call. You know, that's that was exciting. That was fun. You know, there was a whole, I mean, a whole bunch of crazy stuff behind that story. But that's where everything started as far as, oh, crap, this is a completely broken system. Because yeah. those little girls, like, we went down to DCFS and picked them up. Yeah. Um, we had got that on video. Like, it's so cool. And then the county social worker, we didn't get a call from the county. So we got these girls on the September 1st. We didn't get a call from the county social worker until it must have been, like, three or four days later. And so, like, we're we're, like hanging out in our house we're like okay isn't somebody supposed to call us like what's supposed to happen this is crazy and so she finally calls us you know set up a time to come by and see the girls like two days later something like, now we've had these kids for like five days and nobody from the county has come over and checked i'm like that just seems a little weird i don't know right <laughs> and so then she finally says like okay i'll be there at 11 o'clock on this day we're like, okay, okay cool showed up at three and like no call no nothing i'm like and so I, and I, so we're sitting around, we're waiting, it's like 11 o'clock, you know, and every time the dog barks, we're looking outside. No, that's not the social worker. No, that's, you know, we're like, what? Yeah. The? So it shows up like four hours late. Oh, my God. And, you know, and, and that became very, very consistent with this particular social worker. And it got oh, to yeah. the point where after about the third or fourth time, I was like, hey, if you're late, that's cool. But can you do me a favor and just text us? Yeah, just right. call, like, say, hey, I'm running behind. Can't be sitting by the door all day. Yeah, and that's exactly what was going on. And like, that was just like the, the beginning of it. And then... You know, going down to the uh, going down to family court and this and that because like we would, we didn't have to go to family court. I chose to go down there and sit there all freaking day mm-hmm. to be told, hey, we're not going to get to it today. You have to come back in a month. You know, so we're going to delay the case another month. You know, and I mean, I was choosing to go down there just to get the information firsthand because I knew that the social worker wasn't really going to give us any information. Yeah, and so I was, I'd be down there taking notes and everything, and, and yeah, you know, for me that was one of those things where. Being down at family court, um, I mean, uh, down at Idleman, yeah, yeah, um, it was rough. Just, just sitting in there, you know, just, just waiting, and, and not even about okay, our case, but just seeing, just all of the sadness in that yeah. room. It was one of those things where, and it, like, it's crazy. Flash forward, but with Jax, when Jax got TPR'd, I happened to be down there. We weren't expecting him to get TPR'd. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just down there. It was just another update hearing. Okay, that's fine. Whatever. And all of a sudden, you know, he got TPR, and we're like, holy crap. Like, it was just out of nowhere. Mm. Mom hadn't been around for, like, almost a year at that point. So her, her attorney was just like, I've, I've got nothing, Your Honor. Like, that was it. Yeah. And so the judge was like, all right, cool, we're done. You know, this, you know, he, he's TPR, blah, 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 blah. And so super good news, right? And I go out, and I call Patty. I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's, you know, this is what happened. Yeah. And I told her, I was like, I don't want to come home yet, though. And and it was and, and she and she got what I was saying because it's just being down there. This is going to be a weird way to say it, but like you just feel icky. Yeah. No, I totally you know? understand. And so I literally, I, I I got back to Pasadena. It was about lunchtime. 
I was like, I'm gonna go get a, I'm gonna get a steak and a beer and just decompress before mm-hmm. I come home. Because and it, it, it was, you needed it was to transition. News. Yeah, it, like it, it was so crazy because like it, it was great news, but still just being in that environment. And I, I think that's one of the things. So like going back to going back to the question, this, like we were both really long winded, dude. Um, going back to the question of what's that one thing? You hear about the emotional roller coaster, right? But you don't know how dark that emotional roller coaster can really be sometimes. Right. Um, I broke three phones when, when like we first started the process because I would get, so, I just get so frustrated. I like, and it's not that I broke the phone; it's that apparently, um, phones and walls don't go well together. Yeah, I don't know. Don't, I, I don't know they what don't that is. They don't blend into each other. They much. really don't. Um, so, <laughs> but yeah, it's just that kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, it was it it was interesting. I, I I'm much more of a beta in our marriage. Uh, so <laughs> while I I'm absolutely you know emotionally invested in everything that happened, I'm I'm kind of passive in the sense that Heather is such a strong force in our marriage that I kind of always take a back seat and let her drive the bus, mm. and I and occasionally I'll tell her which way to turn. There you go, backseat um, driver. Right. Backseat driver, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know I was much more ready to just call it quits at, at every at every hard thing that happened like at every step of the way that there yeah. was opposition i was like well i guess adoption's not for us or yeah. well i guess we're not meant to foster kids <laughs> oh well cuz honestly like i was pretty damn happy in our life yeah pre kids but it was time you know it was time for us to 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 have a family like proper family we were married for a long ass time with no kids right. and then we dated for a long ass time prior to that um so it was you time got to married think. when you were like what 20 21? Yeah, yeah. You dated for a long time. We dated for five years. Okay, all right. We've been married okay. for 18. Heather is gonna, probably going to correct me and say that's wrong. Uh, <laughs> in 2001, whenever that was. Do wow, math. okay. Yeah, 18. And uh, so we had a long time to enjoy our relationship right. as just two people. Yeah. And I was pretty comfortable. I not like I don't really love change, right? I don't like moving. <laughs> I don't like changing big like things in my life. So... It was all uphill for me, but I'm kind of a pushover at the same time. So I was like, Heather, if this is something that you want to do, you know, again, this is something she's talked about, but she was obsessed with adopting and fostering ever since she was a kid. She saw this 2020 Barbara Walters special on adopting from Romania, like these Romanian orphanages where they're like wrapped up in blankets and their spines are all crooked and stuff. And then she meets me, a Romanian. A Romanian, yeah. As you say. And she's like, oh, my God, my fate is sealed. Everything is, the the planets are aligned. And, Apparently uh, you weren't Romanian enough for her. I she guess went, I was I, not. So. I was not Romanian enough. I'm pretty Americanized, I have to admit. <laughs> she was always like, this is what we're going to do one day. This is gonna, what we're going to do one day. And I was always like, okay, that's fine. I'm down with that, which I am, you know. But, man, there are days I really wish... I, or not wish. I guess that's a Freudian slip. There are days I really miss <laughs> not having kids. Strangely enough, like all the obvious stuff, like just, hey, honey, you want to go out to Target or you want to yes. go see a movie or go out to dinner on a whim. But the thing I think I miss most is just being able to like sit around my living room in my underwear. Yeah. Like before we had cameras <laughs> up in every room and all that and kids running around. Yeah. And like anytime you, you like crack the door open to like go get a drink of water it's like daddy yeah daddy are you going downstairs yeah daddy can you come in here i want to show you something daddy i have a magic trick daddy look at my shoe daddy can you are you gonna fix that light bulb yeah i love the talent shows those are oh, fun because yeah yes yeah. 
So so that's the thing that I miss, actually, strangely enough, is just being downstairs in my underwear whenever I want, walking around. Man, I love being in my underwear. It's the best. There you go. What about you? What yeah. do you miss um, the most? Probably just the the okay, two two things. One is just the freedom to get up and go. Yep. You know, that like I think I think that's definitely something, you know, yeah, just the freedom to get up and go. How do I say this? I miss being able to just run into the struggle. Okay. And and and, yeah. and 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 here's what I mean by this. Like, you know, Patty and I, we 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 we've been together for see, we just celebrated our, our 11th anniversary. We've been together. For, we were together for like six years before that. You know, she and I. It, what's crazy is like, um, I I used to live in Spain. Uh, I, I was a uh, I was in the Navy for six years, and uh, when I was in Spain, um, I forget how it came up, why it came up, or whatever. But just at some point, I was like, yeah, you know what? I like in in my head, I was like, at some you know one day. I'm going to adopt. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that came up. Um, my, my ex-wife didn't want to have kids at all. Mm. And so, but just in my head, I was like, okay, one day I'm going to adopt. Well, so then get divorced. I'm back here in the, I'm back here in the States. Patty and I meet. And we were just hanging out one time, just talking. And I don't remember how the conversation came up, but we realized that both of us eventually wanted to adopt. I'm like, wow, this is kind of crazy. And so we knew that, like, it was something that we had talked about as a couple. Like, our grand plan was, okay, we have two kids, we adopt one, that kind of thing. And, yeah. But there's that whole joke, you know, if you ever want to hear God laugh, just tell him your plans. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So, you know, that obviously didn't happen. I think, you know, as far as what do we miss, like, I, I, I miss being able to dive into the struggle. And, and, mm-hmm. and through this, like, I, I'm one of those guys that's like, okay, there is, there's growth on the other side of hardship. And when Patty and I first got married, uh, even when we were first just dating, it's like we, we you know, it's like, okay, what's going to be the hardest thing we can do right now? Let's go do that. Mm-hmm. What's going to be the thing that's going to put the most stress on us, you know, as individuals and the most stress on a relationship? Let's go do that. And we would just run for it. There's a verse in James that uh, in, in in scripture that you know it talks about just completely went blank. But basically, it's just that idea of you know. It doesn't say if struggles come. It says when struggles come. I think it's in James 2, something like that. Somebody out there is like screaming what the verse is right now because it's pretty popular. But uh, it's just this idea of just constantly just turning up the heat and, and, and you know, letting all the impurities come up to the top and scrape those off and then keep on going. And so, like, like for us, it was like just turn up the heat. Let's do this because we knew right. that there was growth on the other side, and this is so cool. We now have three other kids to consider three other beans to consider, three fragile beans to consider when we're talking about turning up the heat. So like everything going on with the dojo right now, like are we going to be able to move to a new place, this, that, it's going to put a lot of financial stress on the family. If it were just me and Patty, screw it, let's do it. Right. You know, when we started up the dojo nine years ago or eight years ago now, um, it was just like, yeah, let's do it. Why not? You know, what do we got to lose? Yeah. I'll, I'll be there the whole time and this and that. And now all of a sudden it's okay if we're going to, if, if we're going to find a new location, move to a new location, there's this to consider, there's that consider. And I was even telling our, uh, uh, our, our realtor, I was like, this was a whole lot easier eight years ago when I had zero students and I had, you know, no kids to feed. Now that I've got, you know, now that we've got, you know, a hundred students and I've got three mouths to feed and, and not just feed, but make sure that they're, that these kids, every, that their every need is taken care of emotionally, you know, financially, everything. It's a lot more stress now. Yeah. And so I think that going back to the question of what do I miss the most? I, mi- I, I miss being able to dive into the struggle headlong right. with just the excitement th- of what's going to come on the other side. Throwing a hundred percent of yourself into something yeah. and being untethered. For sure. Like, I'm pretty struggle averse myself. Like, I don't like struggling for the sake of it, but, uh, but I struggle I, for the sake of the growth, not for the struggle. Come on. Oh, man. That's, that's for the birds. But, but I, I do, I, I am like, um, I'm a creative, you know, so I spend a lot of my time in a locked room 
in front of a computer, like pounding away at something, and however long it takes is however long it takes. Right. And don't bother me. And like yeah. sometimes there's sleepless <laughs> nights, and it's all for the sake of the art, right? Yeah. So that was kind of my me when I was untethered and and you know free to do that. And it was hard, but it was a good kind of hard because right. you accomplish something. And it took me a good two or three or maybe even four years to figure out how to get back into that mindset with a family. Because right. for the longest time, I felt like, well, I can't take this job because it's in Culver City. And I can't do that because I have kids. And I can't do this hobby because it costs money and I have kids. And I can't do this because I have kids. And I can't do that because yeah. I have kids. And, but but that, that works really well sometimes. Like, hey, do you want to do yeah. this, this? I can't. We have kids. Right. Ha, ha, ha. Yes. That's right. You, you, you end up doing a lot fewer things that you don't want to do. That's, exactly. the, that's the upside. <laughs> but I just kind of had to learn how to compartmentalize things. You know, we're very fortunate that we have kids that are very independent. Right. Like, we can leave them home alone. Not that we do. Wink, wink. <laughs> uh, we, can, we can have them make their own meals. We can have them put themselves to bed. You know, and they're getting older now. So they're they're more responsible. They're not perfect, but it's good enough that we've learned to trust. Basically, is what right. it is. So we can we can kind of say, okay, mom's going to a show tonight. I'm going with her. We're going to order pizzas. You can watch TV. Put yourself to bed by nine. And you know, half the time they'll do that exactly you as go. you want there them you to. Yeah. So for us, it was just about like learning to let go of the control a little bit and let them manage themselves. Right. As soon as they burn the house down, though, that's all over. Yeah. We're not yeah, going to do it yeah, again. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, no. So, so you know, you, you were talking about hobbies and stuff like that. One of the things I was thinking about, just some, some of the crazy stuff that I've started doing to relax since we've had the kids, since we've adopted everything. So, yeah, well, what's something you're doing now that you didn't used right. to do before you had kids? That uh... Well, strangely enough, I'm going to tie that answer back into Heather's comedy mm. because I never really do much to relax around the house. Like, I'm, I'm pretty good about relaxing on my own terms. <laughs> okay, right. I, I don't need an excuse to relax. Um, <laughs> but at the time that we adopted the kids and prior to that, I was feeling really unsatisfied in my career as a designer. I was working with agencies and just kind of like churning out garbage day in and day out, not really doing what I wanted to do. And I didn't feel like if you do that long enough, you start to feel untalented and uncreative. And you're like, why am I even a designer? Why am I even doing this? This is not satisfying work. Um, and since Heather's comedy career took off, I have just like thrown myself into that designing stuff for her, putting the website up, doing all the flyers, promoting it i started off with this podcast like editing it and now she's doing it on her own and that's great because that's a lot of hard work yeah but i just kind of threw myself into all these new ventures that heather wanted to do did it without any thought of like is this going to make money is this going to be worth the time it takes just doing it because it was fun yeah doing it because it was for heather and doing it because it was something i hadn't done before and on a scale like i don't have a client to have a meeting with like to get approval for this i can just do it and tell heather here it is and she's going to love it. Yeah. Um, so I found by doing all that stuff, uh, I really brought back like the spark as a designer. Yeah. And and subsequently after that, I found a better job doing more stuff that I like to do. I kind of discovered who I was as a designer and who I wasn't. Right. I kind of before that would just kind of take anything that would come yeah. along. Yeah. And it was very unsatisfying. So now I've got like great clients. I'm doing work that I love to do. I'm on my own schedule. I've managed to make it work with the family and all that stuff. And I'm, I'm a way better designer doing the stuff that I love doing a lot more. And I'm just a lot happier. At That's it. cool. Yeah. Cool. Right on. Yeah. I've, I've, uh, I've actually started building stuff. Nice. Which is just like, it was just so random. Like I, I did not grow up at a house where dad built stuff. 
like my 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 sister when my dad passed away my uh at his uh at his memorial service one of my sisters made a joke about you know things that you didn't know about bill crouch and one of the things <laughs> that she said it was so funny because like, we were just dying she goes one of the things that you know she goes one of the things you wouldn't know about bill crouch is he had the softest hands you will ever feel on a man and she was like it's probably because he never picked up a hammer or a screwdriver, or like, it just, I, it, I mean, he played the guitar, you know, so he had some calluses from that, but like, you know, it was so, so I did not grow up with a handyman dad. Like, his dad was yeah. very much the handyman, so, you know, we make this joke about it, must have skipped a generation that came to me or whatever, and, and I think that's, some of it's like the creative side of it, but then it's also just, there's something just about like being covered in sawdust or whatever, I'm like, this is just cool. It's like, we, we built like the, the Murphy bed in our, um, uh, in our guest room slash office. Nice. Um, I built that. Um, the, the, um, playground that we have in our living room with a rock wall and the two stories with the slide and this and that but like i built that that yeah. was the christmas present we built for the girls um their beds they they have loft beds that they call their offices because the bed itself is like three or four feet high and then i enclosed it in plywood and put like led lights up in there they actually have doors that lock and all this so they have their own little offices under their beds you know i built that jackson's bed built in like so it's I'm finding that that's one of those things was like I can be creative, I can use my hands. It's just fun. Just I, I think it's something I never ever even thought about doing. And so now I just spend all my time on like YouTube looking at different projects. Oh, how can I build this? Oh, how can man, I build that? YouTube you know? is the best. For oh that. gosh, yeah. So, but yeah, I, I, that, that's one of the things that and, and it's cool too because like uh, Zandy and I built a birdhouse the other day. You know, we mm -hmm. went downstairs and you know we're cutting the wood and she got she was all excited because she got to use the she got to use the Brad nailer and you know, put that thing together. and But yeah, that's just been one of those fun things where it's like, okay, well, yeah, we can go and, you know, go to Ikea and try to buy something or, you know what, I'm going to go build it. And it's, yeah, it's, it's well, a Well, I have to fun. be honest with you. You look like the kind of guy that's been building stuff your entire life. Uh, <laughs> you got the lumberjack beard, man. You're like, Dude, this beard swole. pisses Patty off, though. That's the funny thing. This is, I, I uh, um, you know, normally I, I would do like No Shave November and then like shave it in like January. <laughs> and um, we have two we have two camps in our family. We have Team No Beard and Team Grow Beard. And nice. so Patty is part of Team No Beard. Um, Lexi and I are Team Grow Beard. Zandy has recently switched teams. She's come to my side, and oh. so now she's Team Grow Beard. And I started growing it in uh, I think October at this time. And uh, I'm tested for third degree black belt in June on uh, June eighth, I think. So it's 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 my third degree. And so I've told the girls I was like, you know, because Zandy, if it was Zandy or Lexi, one of them was like, Dad, when are you going to shave your beard? And uh, I was like, I'm going to shave it after I get my black belt. I said, this is my black belt beard. Oh. And so last it's week. It's like a top knot sort of. It is. Yeah, exactly. I, 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 I'm i I'm going bald, though, so I can't do a top <laughs> knot anymore. I, I tell everybody that uh, as I get older, my hair just you know developed a, you know, a significant fear of heights. And it's just left my head and fallen down to my face instead. So Patty was saying something about me shaving the beard. And Zandy goes, well, Mom, he can't shave it. It's his black belt beard. And you just hear this, what? I'm like, yeah, sorry, babe. So, but yeah, so yeah, appearance. I didn't start like camping or hiking or rock climbing or anything like that until I was out of my house. You know, I was 18, I was in the Navy. Mm -hmm. started doing that stuff, building stuff maybe a couple of years ago, started doing, doing that. But I, I, I know a lot of it's just outlets, but it's like, it's something that keeps me at home, mm -hmm. but that I can still be creative and just do stuff and just relax. Yeah. So it's really cool. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. I didn't so, mention it, but we're actually recording in the Crouch household now. <laughs> In a wonderful uh, new studio in their closet. Yeah, it's as, a closet. Yeah, yeah, which is cool. <laughs> so I've I've had a first first hand opportunity to check out the uh, the playground out in the living room. Yeah, it's pretty so awesome. It's fun stuff. It's fun stuff. So I, uh, I I don't know how much more time we have left, but I've got to ask this one: What like perception or idea or just things that people say 
about foster care or maybe about adoption or maybe to your kids or whatever just annoys you the most? Yeah, Gosh, big one. I thought getting into it, like the one warning you got from all the seminars and all the social workers and stuff is people are going to look at you funny because your kids are a different color and they're going to be like, what's going on? And they're going to question if they're your kids and there's going to be all this drama. That has not happened to me ever. Okay. Um, and I don't know if it's because I live in Los Angeles or whatever, or it's 2019, but it just never happened. And I'm still like waiting for that moment I was promised <laughs> because I'm so ready for it. And I'm all, almost like disappointed that it hasn't happened. People just sort of look at us and they're like, oh, mixed race family, adopted yeah. kids. Got it. Yeah. No problem. So I can't say that I'm really annoyed by anything. I, I think the one thing maybe that kind of annoys me a little bit is the the hero worship of it God, like yes. oh you're you're amazing you're so amazing and it's like you don't really know me but thank you i yeah. i always accept the compliment like i'll take it but like no it's not amazing because we're i just did something that was hard and i'm still doing it and it's still hard yeah that's all it is <laughs> like i i guess i guess i'm amazing because i opted to have children live in my house that i didn't give my seed to to birth <laughs> if you want to say that's amazing but to me that's not even like that big of a deal yeah so okay i'll take the credit there but like everything else is not amazing we still have fights oh my god we have so many yeah. fights there, our house is still chaos everything is is just as it would be in a normal family and then some yeah no it's not amazing it's totally normal you just you just have to be de willing to deal with the chaos yeah i guess yeah. What about you? What's what's Dude, annoying you? It's it's funny. It's like it's almost the exact same thing. It's really almost the exact same thing. Um, I, I um, uh, a couple of years ago, I started just just to kind of get some of this crap out of my head. I started writing a blog. Wrote like three whole entries, but the first one that I wrote, it actually got posted to Facebook and and got a lot of comments on it. But the first one that I wrote was, um, "Stop telling my kids how lucky they are." Oh yeah. And that's a good one. And it, it just came down to that whole idea where I was like, okay, yeah, you know, like, oh my gosh, you're so lucky. It's like, look, if you say that to me, you know, you know, your kids are so lucky. I get where you're, I, I understand what you're saying. Don't yeah. say that to my kids because, you know, how lucky do my kids think they are if, you know, they want ice cream at night and I say no. They know that they're adopted. They know that we're not their birth parents. And so and I, I, I say that as kind of a, you know, you know, kind of a dismissive joke. You know, it's that whole thing of, yeah, okay, how lucky are my kids? Oh, yeah, my kids are so lucky that their special needs mom wasn't, wasn't able to take care of them. Yeah, you're right. My kids were lucky. Right. My kids were so lucky that they actually got taken away from their parents. Yeah, that's great. My kids were so lucky that they were, you know, left behind, like literally abandoned. You know, I'm like, stop telling my kids this. And again, just yeah. what it does to like their psyche and stuff like that. And again, I don't know exactly what it does, but, you know, just the, the, the potential for that because, you know, they have, like, Zandy one time, we were, um, it was actually uh, right around Martin Luther King's uh, birthday, and we were talking about it. And you know, obviously, we're a big fan of Martin Luther King in our house, where it's civil rights and everything. Because the fact of the matter is, you know, a white family with black kids, this would not have happened in the past. Right. You know, like our kids would not be our kids if it weren't for things like that and and, and men like him. And so, we were talking about that. And Zandy, at one point, she uh, she 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 makes a joke. She she kind of looks at me. She goes, she goes, yeah, Dad, I kind of wish we were adopted by by other people. And I'm like. You know, I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe my daughter's saying this to me. And I was like, well, really, baby, why? She goes, because maybe they would have let me see sugar. And she starts laughing. I'm like, dude, shut up. And she's cracking up about it, you know? And yeah. like, okay, you, you know, you got your little jokes going on. But it is things like that. You know, so yeah, my kids are so, you know, I wonder how lucky my kids are when, you know, or think they are when 
I freaking lose my shit and just blow up and right. yell and everything. That whole idea that you know, you hear from a lot of kids that don't know their parents that you know they, they've got these imaginary ideas about what their parents are actually like. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, I, I can be a complete, and I'll be the first to admit, I can, complete, can be a complete horrible asshole sometimes. You know, for my kids to think that, oh, okay, yeah, you know, I'm not lucky at all because I could be with my mom who's actually, you know, a, a fairy princess somewhere. Because yeah. that's all yeah. they know, you know. And so that that idea of, you know, stop telling these kids how lucky they are. I, again, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. But it's just throwing stuff off. And then, you know, it also, um, I've heard this from other people also. You think about this. It's like, it's like now you're making my kids sound like a charity case. Like, oh, you're so lucky that your mom and right. dad adopted you. It's like, no, it's I'm almost like you're telling them kids. in a codified way, like, you should show some gratitude. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Like, yeah, dude, absolutely. But, but, but then, even what you were saying earlier about like the hero worship and stuff like that, um, you know, it, like th- that one actually just racks my freaking guilt, especially when people are like, you know, we're talking about Jax. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my gosh, you know, you guys are so amazing. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm like, I, I'm not. I freaking lose sleep every single night wondering if I made the right decision. And you sitting here telling me how right. great I am is just reminding me that I'm lying to the freaking world. You know, I, I'm sitting here every single night, you know, that, you know, like like we were talking about earlier before we started recording, you know, just I'm, I'm sitting here every single day, every time that Jackson flips out and starts breaking shit, every time that Brash starts throwing stuff, every time that we can't go somewhere because of him, I'm sitting here going, okay, yeah, you know what, did I make the wrong decision? Did I completely make this decision to, to, to go ahead and adopt this kid and just completely fuck up my family? And here you right. are telling me how great of a person I am. I'm like, stop it. Right. I'm like, I understand where you're going, and thank you. I appreciate that. But no, you know who's lucky? You know who's who, who's an amazing parent? You know, you who actually took care of your kids. Right. You know? Um, That's right. You know, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like, oh, my God, you're such an amazing parent. You know what? You're an amazing parent because you're not doing crack. Because you didn't lose your kids. Yeah, you're, you're, you're an amazing because you didn't lose your, You're an amazing parent because you're taking care of your kids. You know who's a lucky kid? Your kid because your yeah. kid is never coming from, is never going to have to deal with this, this broken family, never going to have to deal with that loss of having their parents taken away, be taken away from their parents and be thrown into a new home. Right. You know who's a lucky kid? Your kid. You know? And yeah. So again, I understand what people are saying. I get where they're coming from. I get the the um, the intention behind it, but it's kind of like God, just stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And I mean, going back to what you were saying about the kids, you got to look at it from the kids' perspective when you tell them that they should be lucky or grateful or whatever. It's like they don't understand the broad scope of what's going on. Yeah. Yet. Yes. They might one day when they're an adult. They yeah. may never. You yeah. don't know. But, like, my, my oldest daughter uh, struggles with this still. Like, she'll get the micro confused with the macro all the time. Like, just the other day, we were having a fight at the dinner table over something that she did wrong, lied about something or hid something from us. And she and she would say something like her birth mom would give her uh, candy. Oh. And that to her equals love. That to yes. her equals being a good mom, right? Yeah. And it's like, okay, that is like you're confusing the minuscule with the with the big stuff like your mom was also uh, someone who could not take care of you because she didn't have the right tools to be a good mom and she neglected you and she exposed you to things that you shouldn't have been exposed to and her priorities were all messed up and like her she can't think in in terms of those larger uh, issues yeah so I think of them as like being kidnapped on this pirate ship that's on like (laughs) stormy seas and they don't know what the hell's going on and there's like thunderbolts and like the the waves are roaring you know like crashing up on the deck and they're just trying to get their sea legs they don't know what's coming next all they know is that they're on this journey and they're hoping for the best but it's still chaos in their brains and it's still chaos in their lives it's only you as the parents that know they're on a better path but they don't know that yet 
Yeah. Okay. Do you have one last question? I you know, I do have one last question because, um, you know, I, 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 I think it's especially for this podcast and for the listeners, it's probably, it's probably one of the most burning questions that most people probably have. And so it, it's this: uh, Do you fold your underwear or not? I fold my underwear because my wife forces me to fold my underwear. Gotcha. I have only recently started slacking off, and I've been, I've I've joined Team No Fold. Wow! In, in recent weeks and okay. months, I've I'm now doing the half fold, which is okay. you lay all your underwear down flat, okay, in a pile, okay. like all facing the same way, right? Then you take that entire sandwich <laughs> of underwear and you just fold the whole thing over in half, okay, and you stick it in your drawer. Okay, that's what I've done lately. All but right. uh, prior to that, yes, I have done the, the the entire thing okay and um it's great <laughs> and my wife is so smart for telling me to do it all right there you have <laughs> i mean i think everybody knows that i'm team fold because that's how this whole conversation started up you are team fold place. oh i'm absolutely team fold oh i like, didn't know that i still i still fold this i still fold my underwear on my t-shirts the same way I, that i learned in boot camp uh, in so 1994 you're, yeah, you're a military so, guy yeah so no it's in fact you know the, the only underwear in the house that gets folded is is mine you know, everything else just gets thrown somewhere. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I'm well, totally team full. Well done. So. Well done. It will pay off in dividends <laughs> at some point, I'm I, sure. I, I, it probably not. But, yes, <laughs> I, I thank you for saying that. So. Well, KonMari well, is all the rage now. So, so there you go. <laughs> I think the uh, I think the girls are coming back in here. So we got to okay, yeah, button this up. Yeah, bell out real quick. So, cool. All right, well, hey, man, thanks for, uh, thanks for hanging out. It's fun. Thank you, and thank you for for letting us use your amazing home studio here. Absolutely, and, and uh, yeah, I, I I mean, how do we sign off on this thing? Hey, you thank know you, thank you to our wonderful spouses for doing this podcast. Yeah, we should thank them for sure. I guess. I, I uh, really <laughs> thank you to Heather and Patty for doing this amazing podcast and keeping it going. And uh, we're happy to step in. And Bobby, thank you for this uh, cool little setup over here. Like all the work that you've put into editing this thing and making sure that they uh, actually sound good. This it's is my uh, happy place, man. I know, dude. It's pretty cool. It's cool. So thank you, Bobby, for, for all the work that you put in on the electronic side. And, and thank you, Chris, for having a dojo that we can come and record in <laughs> and, and, and providing the facility and being an amazing husband to Patty. So, well, all right, cool. And we'll leave it at that, guys. So thanks, listeners. Bye. Bye. The Mother Effin' Podcast is hosted and produced by Patty Crouch and Heather Dragulescu. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to visit us online at mothereffinpodcast.com.